Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I feel like we already knew that the Cowboys were close to keeping Dan Quinn on board as defensive coordinator for the 2024 season. But it turns out they were actually much more closer than you think. And we will dive into why. And spoiler alert, it's a little bit of Commander's Chaos. So here we go. What is up, everyone? And welcome into ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime. I am your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand sports talk network with a lot more content coming your way make sure that you check out adzsports.com slash dallas and as always do me a favor and hit the like button for me if you enjoy the show uh welcome everyone on a monday night it is a great night to talk some cowboys football and tonight we're gonna take a little bit of a brief pause on the defensive coordinator conversation because it feels like we might be in this one for a while so it seems like the Cowboys, you know, they have their interviews set up over the week. And when they're done with the interviews, they're, we're likely going to be somewhere, you know, in a position where the NFL does not want the Cowboys to break news because it's Super Bowl. It's Super Bowl week. So tonight we've got the opening night of media week. Uh, the Chiefs already talked to media. Uh, so are going to the 49ers at like 9 p.m. Central Time today as we stream this show. So it feels like we might be wondering who is going to be the replacement for Dan Quinn into the weekend and then after it. So we're going to have to be patient in that sense. With that in mind, I wanted to change it up a little bit tonight and talk about something that really caught my attention on today's news cycle. And it came from an article from The Athletic about... Dan Quinn and the Washington Commanders and how it was a much more turbulent ride than you might expect. Sure, we knew the Commanders were into other candidates, mainly Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions, but they didn't. I mean, I, don't, I think it's a good question to ask if they really wanted Dan Quinn. Now, we will get to that in a moment here, I promise. But first, a few first impressions that I've had from Dan Quinn's uh, coaching tenure so far, right? Which has been only a has only been a couple of days. So, according to reports, right, it was a done deal one day before the news broke. So, you know, on Wednesday, the the Commanders knew when Wednesday of last week they knew that they were going to hire Dan Quinn as their head coach, and then couple days later we dive into the weekend and during the weekend we heard two things right one on saturday the other one on sunday number one was that the commanders were going to swoop in and steal 
somebody who was seemingly headed to the Las Vegas Raiders, but had, had a little bit of a hiccup in contract negotiations. And I'm talking about Cliff Kingsbury, offensive coordinator, former Arizona Cardinals head coach, has worked with several quarterback standouts during his career, right? He was at Texas Tech, and obviously he had that uh, moment with Patrick Mahomes early on in his career as well. Good coach, good offensive coach uh, from the from the uh, air raid Mike Leach type offensive schools. And I think it's a great hire for the commanders, honestly. And then on Sunday night, minutes after I ended the stream on primetime, we also hear that Dan Quinn is bringing on Joe Witt Jr. So that takes off one of the biggest chess pieces on the board that were left. Dan, uh, Joe Witt is going to the commanders. So just right away, first impression for me, it's that's a pretty strong coaching staff, right? And then Witt is coming in, and he's going to call the plays. So one of the big areas of concern every time with some of these play-calling heavy coaches is if they're going to keep the play cheat and maybe be a little bit distracted from everything else that entails being a head coach. So I kind of like the idea there for Dan Queen to be, hey, you know what, Joe, you can call the place. And I like it specifically in this scenario where Joe Witt Jr. has been right there beside Dan Quinn in game days. And he knows what Dan Quinn likes and what he doesn't like. So even though Joe Witt Jr. is going to be you know, saying the words through the headset, it 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 is probably going to look like a Dan Queen-led defense. So I kind of like that decision right from the get-go. Now, regarding Cliff Kingsbury, I think it's also a very strong hire, and it's one that it's going to really matter because you're picking a quarterback second overall when the NFL draft comes around. They're just going to do it. I, I, I'm fully convinced about it. Now, Kingsbury has ties with USC because in 2023, he spent a season there as senior offensive analyst. And even Lincoln Riley, the head coach at USC, has confirmed that, hey, these two have a strong relationship. Many people have been speculating, oh, are the commanders going to go get Caleb Williams? I'm thinking not on that one, by the way. Just going to say that uh, ADC Sports had boots on the ground last week and at the Senior Bowl, and Destin Adams put together a very fun read where he shared insight from his sources over there in Mobile. And one of the big quotes that he had on his article was, I was told that many around the league strongly believe that the Bears will not trade the top pick and target a QB to replace Justin Fields, and that QB most likely will be USC's Caleb Williams. But even if the commanders don't land Kingsbury's guy, right, and they don't get Caleb, and a lot can happen from here, you know, between here and the NFL draft, of course. But still, you could make the argument that, hey, Drake May would still be a heck of a pick. Jaden Daniels could also be a heck of a pick. And you would get somebody that can make offense look a little bit easier for them. And I do like the Kingsbury higher. I'm going to keep it real with you. So just overall, man, two days into Dan Quinn's tenure there in Washington. And I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm impressed. Heck, he's told Joe Witt Jr. for us. We wanted Joe Witt Jr. The Cowboys at least seemingly wanted Joe Witt Jr. 
But then some details start to come around. Now, now, hey, Kingsbury, you know, Kingsbury is an upgrade from what we had heard about Queen's potential preferences, right? There was a report, I think, earlier this offseason from Albert Breer, which indicated that last year, had Queen gotten a coaching job, he would have gone with Brian Schottenheimer, which is kind of crazy to think about. But anyways, the other potential uh, coach that was floated around as a potential Dan Queen hire was former Eagles head coach Chip Kelly, former Oregon Ducks coach Chip Kelly. I'll take Kingsbury over those two any day of the week in the NFL nowadays. I'll just take Kingsbury because I know he's been successful with quarterbacks. I know his Arizona run didn't pan out well, but head coaching and coordinating are two very different things. You also get some safe, some sense of security that Kingsbury won't be catapulting towards another head coaching job anytime soon. And you want that continuity for a young quarterback. So I just, you know, overall like it, you know, check marks everywhere for me regarding Dan Quinn. And you pose like this question as always, hey, are these guys a legit threat with five picks in top 100, including the second one overall? And I think they've got 36 in the second round. So they've got the ammo salary cap. They can, you know, spend as much money as they want. They're in a good spot, right? That makes them seem like a dangerous squad. And up to some point, you got to be like, okay, that coaching staff might be legit. And if they get a quarterback, you know, they might be cooking something down in Washington. Now, some details emerged on Monday about Queens, hiring process and those details have had Washington and the commanders be thinking especially like the fans is this any different and you know it's tough for commanders fans if you read all of these details and let's get to them right away uh, this is from a the athletic piece uh, from Diana Rossini and there's another um, contributor there in the byline Give me one sec. Ben Standing. Ben Standing and Diana Rossini, NFL insiders. And they reported that once Johnson was out of the running, and Johnson was famously the commander's top candidate for a good while there, and once Johnson was out of the running, then the commanders thought they were going to get Mike McDonald from the Seattle Seahawks. But then the Seahawks offered him more money, and they offered him a six-year deal, which is a massive deal, in the NFL world, right, for coaches, and they lose out on McDonald's. So these are just already two guys that you were, again, famously waiting for because the commanders were waiting for Ben Johnson, according to multiple reports. And I'll speak a little bit more on that in a bit here. They Johnson decides to return to Detroit, which, hey, you know what? Good for him. He's waiting out the right opportunity. He's likely going to be successful yet again in 2023 and Ben Johnson being patient with his stuff to me is, you know, pretty respectable, but then you want to get McDonald. And the reason why you lose on McDonald is money. If there's one thing that Josh Harris's ownership group couldn't miss, like if there's one thing that they couldn't have lost in, it was money. Cause you're the new ownership. You're the new ownership claiming that, Hey, we're going to open up the wallet and we're not going to be this poverty franchise like what Dan Snyder had you used to. We're going to be different. And suddenly you're looking at your third option 
on the list to hire as your first head coach, your first true head coaching hire. And you're left, you know, you're stood up a little bit, at least there. And then I would love to say this is where it ends, but it doesn't. Sure, they like Dan Quinn, and he seemed to be a candidate right from the get-go. But even the night before they make the final decision, so like the day of, during that same night, they revisit Bill Belichick. They're like, hey, man, according to the, that same article, it doesn't say that, hey, they try to reach out to Belichick and convince him, and he said, no, they don't detail who declined who. Uh, it seems like maybe the commanders were not that into the idea, but they revisit Bill Belichick before they move on to Dan Quinn. Not saying that Bill Belichick was higher on that list than Quinn, but it wasn't an immediate, oh, McDonald isn't in? All right, let's move on to, to Quinn. It was more of a, oh, McDonald isn't in? Oh, should we call Bill? Should we? Maybe? Nah, let's say, you know, and they did call him, by the way, according to reports. And then they went with Dan Quinn. That's tough, man. Uh, I'm all for interviewing everybody. Uh, I've had this conversation with my brother. I know I say this a lot. My brother and I, we talk NFL 24-7. And we've had this conversation several times where he's like, man, if you've got your guy, like you should interview him and, and maybe don't talk to every other candidate because you're going to look bad if you do talk to many guys and then the top guys you know turn you down and you got to settle for your like fourth fifth option but i'm always pro talk to everybody man that's that's what you can control screw what everyone says about you just talk to everyone and find your best coach but it's still a bad look for the commanders in my opinion and i'm not saying it's a bad look for dan queen i'm not going down that uh rabbit hole or i'm not making that a point because still, he is getting hired for one of the 32 head coaching positions in the NFL. So, no, I'm not going to say that that it's a bad look on him. But specifically, the thing about losing out on Mike McDonald because of money makes me, if I were a Commanders fan, I would be like, man, if that was your guy, you needed to pay up. Like, you couldn't miss out on McDonald if he was your second guy. I understand Ben Johnson wanting to go back to Detroit. He's got a pretty good offense right there, and Sam Laporte is going to go uh, be back. Jared Goff is going to be back. Amon Russell Brown, Jameer Gibbs. So he's got a pretty good setup. But McDonald did choose a team. He went with the Seattle Seahawks. And you look at the Seattle Seahawks, and it's not like oh, they've got a quarterback, right? It's not like, oh, I'm coaching these guys because they've got better players or maybe they do have a better roster just overall, but nothing as clear cut. Heck, he's going to want to coach in a division where the San Francisco 49ers are settled in over the Washington Commanders. And then there's other details that I could dive into, but I kind of really like... There's nothing of value to say there, but here's what I mean. There's been some punches thrown through the media where Ben Johnson was like, yeah, you know, they've got an NBA-type front office, and I don't like it. And, of course, these are not direct quotes, 
but you hear this from NFL reporters and you kind of can figure out pretty easily where the information is coming from. And according to many reporters, like Ben Johnson was a little bit turned off by the fact that they've got an NBA-type front office with Adam Peters and all that, who was a four-time champion with the with the Golden State Warriors. And then the commanders fire back at like them being him being undecided and maybe not being convinced about what he wants to do. And then there's a quote. Somewhere in there, I can't remember if it's on The Athletic or somewhere else, where they say that basically Ben Johnson isn't a leader type and he instead spends his time just holed up in an office, drawing plays and diving into the X's and O's. And that just that just felt like cheap shots being thrown around. And again, man, I don't think it's the look the commander's front office wanted to give off in, in this in this particular offseason when you were going to make your first big head coaching hire. So, you know, just overall, commanders, if Dan Quinn makes it work, they, they should have a solid coaching staff, at least a better one that they've had in the past. And if they find the right quarterback, that team might be cooking something in 2024 and beyond. But as far as ownership goes... This was supposed to be a slam dunk offseason. I read a piece this morning from The Athletic on baseball and how the Dodgers had a plan to spend a billion dollars. And they called it like, hey, plan A. And they executed. They got Shohei Otani. They've got Yamamoto. And they're building a championship World Series type team. That's more or less what the commanders needed. I'm not saying they needed a, a billion dollar offseason. But they absolutely needed a slam dunk type year, and it's not off to the right start for them. So, just some uh, just some thoughts there on the Washington Commanders before we move on a little bit here on the show. And as I said, I wanted to take a brief pause on the Cowboys defensive coordinator side of things because I know that's going to be the conversation for most of the week. And, and by the way, spoiler alert, and we're not done tonight. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but tomorrow night, we're gonna. I know it's a little bit late, you know, Tuesday, but. The whole Dan Quinn situation really threw me off a little bit there. But I think we've got some interesting nuggets to dive into from the Senior Bowl, from sources that you know my friends and my colleagues over at ADC Sports kind of put together. And some of them really you know, mean big things for the Cowboys. So I want to dive into what we learned, if you will. Not, not so much like you know the prospects, and we're going to talk about some of them, but you know some, some little tidbits of insight that might give us a good idea about how the Cowboys should be approaching this offseason. So we're going to dive into that tomorrow night, by the way. So you tune in. Uh, let me say hi in the comments and let me read some of your thoughts on this whole situation. Bruce says, Dan Quinn will help Washington command an L once the safeties start playing nose tackle. You know, you you joke, you joke, Bruce. But more than once, we saw Micah Parsons with one hand down on the dirt in first and 10 over the center. <laughs> and that was that was one of the weird things that happened this season. And, you know, no hating uh, Dan Quinn at all. But it was definitely one of, like, those tiny things that were at least uh, supposed to be somewhat, you know, questioned, if you will. Uh, Cam says it feels like he's running the team into the ground. 
I'm not sure if he, he means, uh, oh, he means Jerry. Jerry's a dumbass. I thought we all knew that, says Cam. So some benting there on, on the Cowboys owner. Who, by the way, big nugget from Skywalker Steel this morning when he said that the Joneses are the one pushing uh, Mike Zimmer for the Cowboys coaching staff. And he added, in case you missed it, uh, you, you need to check out that show. He added that McCarthy might not necessarily be comfortable with it, in his opinion, but that he's hearing that the Joneses are the ones pushing uh, Mike Zimmer for a defensive coordinator. Now, that obviously makes sense, I guess. Like, obviously, when you hear it, in hindsight, it makes a lot of sense. The Cowboys have always loved Mike Zimmer, and it isn't a surprise that they feel like that. But I thought the McCarthy, the McCarthy bit had a little bit of, of juice to it, and I was a little bit surprised by it. Because I would have thought, hey, maybe he's not comfortable with like Mike Brable, who could be a head coach, like next year. But Mike Zimmer and maybe McCarthy, maybe not being comfortable with it. I, I was intrigued by that right away, right from the get-go. But anyways, ladies and gentlemen, let's move on a little bit here on the show. Uh, one of the big things that I also wanted to get to as we dive into 2024 is that the NFC is kind of stinks of the Cowboys right now. Because you've got the Philadelphia Eagles with Kellen Moore at offensive coordinator. And now you've got the commanders with Dan Quinn running the show. But also Joe Witt Jr. at defensive coordinator for Washington. So there's at least three out of four teams in the NFC East that have, you know, some Cowboys vibes. Obviously, the Cowboys have their own, right? And then the Eagles and the commanders. Giants, not really. Like they've got their their own Brian Dable thing going on. But my question from me to you, oh, oh, Mark, Mark, we're gonna talk about it. We're gonna talk about it. Saw your comment, man. Just saying, man. We're gonna have a sidebar here in a moment. <laughs> but anyways, do you think it's good, bad, or neutral for the Cowboys that in the NFC East you've got? former friends on your rival teams. Do you think it's good, bad, or neutral? Because I think there's a point to be made there where you don't know if it's a strength for you to, hey, you know, I know what Kellen Moore is thinking. But it also might be a little bit of a weakness because Kellen Moore also knows what you're thinking. Maybe in that scenario specifically, especially if they bring a very different DC, uh, that might change a little bit. But, you know, the same applies for Dan Quinn and Joe Witt Jr. They kind of know what the Cowboys want to do, offensively speaking. So it's is it good, bad, or neutral? Let me know in the chat. Gregory says bad. Gre he says, hey, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Bad for Gregory. Here's where I'm at. I think it ultimately comes down to a game of chess. Both teams, or, or the three teams in this case, are going to have some level of insight into the other. And it all comes down to which coaching staff do you trust the most to make that count? And that's where the situation gets tricky. Do you trust McCarthy more to exploit his knowledge on Dan Quinn than the other way around? And the same for Kellen Moore. I got to say, that I'm going to ride the fence here, and I'm going to go with neutral. But I think, this is just my take right now, 
I think the Cowboys can outcoach the Commanders in that sense, in that particular, you know, inside inside the knowledge sense. But I think the Eagles outcoach the Cowboys. That's me right now. You know how I feel about Kellen Moore. I think that Kellen Moore is actually uh, better than what the consensus Cowboys fans, you know, give him credit for. And I still, I'm still holding out some hope for him as an OC, just like objectively, I still believe he can be a very, very good coach in the NFL. But I think it's mostly going to be a neutral situation, especially if Mike McCarthy keeps changing it up and especially if he leans into what worked during the regular season after the bye week. You could argue that, hey, Kellen Moore didn't really see all that stuff when he was around in Dallas. I mean, not saying that the playbook changed. I don't think it did. I just think the play calling did and the tendencies for Mike McCarthy. But, hey, hopefully, I'm, I'm holding out hope that McCarthy in 2023, uh, 2024 is going to resemble regular season Mike McCarthy more than he does uh, playoffs Mike McCarthy because that change up in the game plan where he went back to Texas Coast elements and run a more static offense, that was a major mistake. So anyways, Mo, they say you keep your enemies close. Yep, that is true, Gregory. That is true. Jack says Payne is going to run on a, is going to go on a diet and so is Masses Mitt. Just like Masses is going to be the fun diet where he's going to have three sandwiches of Nutella with sneakers in the middle of them, right? And he's going to have like 10 of those every single day so he can go back to his terrifying Michigan weight. The reason why I came up with that um, example of a diet was because during my one year of high school football, that's what I ate. <laughs> you know, one coach saw me and was like, man, this dude is small. He better get on a fattening diet. And he, and he, got, he told me, man, you got to grab two pieces of bread, put Nutella on it, add a Snickers right in the middle of it, and then you eat it 30 minutes before practice. And then after the practice, and you know, it ended close to nighttime, you're going to have a peanut butter sandwich loaded with peanut butter, and then you're going to have dinner. <laughs> so that's, that, was my, that was my diet for, for a solid semester in high school, and that, that was the only diet that I've ever enjoyed. Uh, that's what Massey Smith is going to be doing, just times 10, probably. Carlos says, doesn't matter. Washington just lost the ability to stop the run. We all know how Queen's defense work, and we know Moore's offense advantage Cowboys. That's a good point there from, from Carlos. But I will say, I will say, we, we might be a little bit biased regarding how we see. And I'm not seeing Carlos specifically. Just like the overall Cowboys fan base. And I say this because I understand Queen's weaknesses against the run. I really, really do. And yet, and yet, let me show you something very quickly here. Let me share my screen. And yet, that's your Cowboys run defense, right? Drop back, you know, it's number one in the NFL between 2021 and 2023. But, you know, the further up you are here per EPA per play, the better you are versus the run. Not saying they're top three, right? But they're not bad. Like they were ninth in that three-year span 
between 2021 and 2023, ninth in EPA per play. And if you look at success rate, they were a little bit below. They were 15th in the NFL. So again, man, I'm not trying to say like, oh man, Dan, Dan Queen's defense is, oh, what happened with the, with the video? All right, there you go. I'm not saying that Dan Queen's defense was lights out against the run. But also, you know, are, are we maybe overblowing it a little bit here? I think we might be. I think we might be. But anyways, uh, Isidro says, I am neutral on killing more. Katharina says, Mo, I really don't think Masi is all what everyone says he is. And hey, we, we, we might find out in 2024, but I do want to see him play at his supposed, like his original weight uh, before I make a final judgment on that. And, and, you know, one year is never enough to really uh, figure out what a player is all about here uh, in the NFL. But I understand the concern, Katharina, because we, we didn't get to see uh, much from him. Anyways, before we move on to the final segment of this show, somebody mentioned, <laughs> somebody mentioned the Mike Bravel thing. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> you know, there, there's never a lack of guys telling you, oh man, you don't know as much football as those guys making decisions in the NFL. Or you don't know enough about football to make a judgment on, you know, a coach and how he will fare as a head coach of a football team or as a coordinator or whatever, man. And then you read some of the stuff of what these front office type guys are thinking and how they're thinking about it. And you go, I might be able to do that. I, I might be able to run an NFL team. If, if they ever give me the chance, you know, I might be able to run an NFL team. Here's what I mean. There's been some Mike Rabel rumors flying around. And, you know, Mike Rabel did not get a head coaching job despite basically being considered somebody that the Titans could have traded before they fired him, right? That wasn't the case because they, they ended up, ended up uh, he ended up without a job even though he was cut. Well, Diana Rossini, NFL insider for The Athletic, went on The Athletic football show and this is a totally real quote that I'm about to read you. Not made up, not comedy, not anything. Like, this is an actual quote from Diana Rossini. She said, I don't think there was a fit for him, Mike Vrabel. I don't think that he sat in front of any owner who thought that his style was going to work for what they were looking for. That's all good, man. All fair, right? Well, buckle up. I had a general manager at the Senior Bowl who mentioned to me Rabel's physical build, that he's a very large human being and can be very intimidating to people in an organization that are going to be a part of these decisions. And that is a factor. <sighs> what? <laughs> that is a what? <laughs> that is a factor? <laughs> what? Sorry, man. I, I know I'm speech speechless right now, and this is like the fourth time I've read this before uh, before getting live here on the show and talking to you about it. Shout out to John Sheeran, man. <laughs> Shout out to John Sheeran for, for ADC Sports, who had this headline for us over on the website. He had anonymous NFL general manager 
body change former tight end said coach Mike Brabel for being an absolute unit. <laughs> Man, that was that was insane. <laughs> that was quite so let me give you some context on how I found out about this quote. I open up a chat here that I've got with, with my guys over at ADC Sports, and I see Diana Rossini asked about Bill Belichick. Now, these are just my colleagues making fun of the original quote, and it said, uh, asked about Bill Belichick, and I don't think there was a fit for him, you know, blah, 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 style. I had a general manager at the Senior Bowl who mentioned to me uh, Belichick's physical build. He looks like he should be in a nursing home. He's very intimidating because of his one-word answers. He also smells like mothballs, and that is a factor. <laughs> you know, it's crazy to think that these guys make these decisions like this. Now, there's another piece of intel into Mike Vrabel, and this is also from Diana Rossini and the same, the Athletic article. And it's not as outrageous, but it's still something that, you know, makes you go like, what? This is just a theory from an from an executive league source in the NFC is how he is described in the article he or she, and not he because he she, she does says uh, his theory, so it's a he. The commanders and this is just a theory. This is not like somebody acting as a source or anything. He's just sharing a theory. The commanders passed on Ravel because of Titans general manager Rand Carthen. He fired Bravel, and even that is questionable because he might have been ownership, honestly, in Tennessee. And then Adam Peters, the guy assisting the commanders in, in their head coaching search, was not going to hire the coach that his friend just fired. That's how this works sometimes. Man, if you, like, not saying that the commanders would have liked Bravel if it wasn't for any of that, but if you like Bravel, hypothetically, or even if you don't, and you want to do due diligence on Mike Bravel, I can think of a, a lot of factors why you wouldn't want to interview him. But there's no way in hell that I'm adding, oh, my friend fired him when you are in the business of firing people because you are the general manager, or at least in this case, like a general manager-esque figure assisting a team in their head coaching search just doesn't make sense at all. What are these people doing? I make better decisions in Madden. I make more informed decisions in Madden when signing random free agents and going through their overall ratings. I'm not, man, what? His buddy and then him being fired by, by a friend. And then may I add, the may, may I circle back to the description of Ben Johnson, the guy that will hole up himself in an office and make drawings? Like, one of them is too imposing, the other one is too nerdy. What the heck, man? It's crazy. It's crazy to think about that. Uh, but hey, Bruce says, as a big man, I got to say it's not Bravel's fault. People feel small. Hey, man. I'm, I'm shorter than Deuce, and I feel taller than Mike Brable. <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. But yeah, that's that's definitely a self-reflecting thing that whoever in the commanders was like, or whoever in the NFL world was like, you know, oh, he's too big, or he's too large of a human being. 
right? But anyways, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, before we get out of here, want to say that it would be so epic if the Cowboys were to play in Brazil. It would be absolutely fantastic. I got to say, man, I think the NFL knocked it out of the park. For those of you who missed it, Roger Goodell said today, and shout out to ESPN Mexico's John Sutcliffe. He he had he saw that coming from a mile away. He dropped a, a big hint on about it on Twitter. Uh, but the NFL announced that the Eagles are gonna play in Brazil in Sao Paulo at Corinthians Arena, and they're gonna play week one of the regular season. And even better, it's gonna be on a Friday night. Let me just say very quickly, I love international games for obvious reasons. You know, I'm based out in Mexico. I live in Mexico. And it's fun to see the NFL expanding into other markets when you're just used to NFL games being played in the United States. And it's so fun to see that it's going to be a part of the regular schedule moving on. But I think that to make it a big deal where it's a week one game and it's a night game, Man, that is just, and it's a Friday night game, which is like an oddity in the NFL. I'm excited about that. And, you know, just going to say the Cowboys do play on the road versus the Philadelphia Eagles. And I'm not sure they would take Cowboys Eagles and put it on Brazil, but I can tell you I would be excited about it. And then the Cowboys also play the Carolina Panthers, who will be playing in Germany. And they will be hosting a game, and they're a road opponent for Dallas. So Dallas has two potential international games entering the 2024 NFL season. Excited about that. Uh, I will also say, man, Cowboys are likely going to be hosting a game soon enough in Azteca Stadium here in Mexico City. And, and I'm not in Mexico City. I know I just said here in Mexico City. But, you know, in Mexico City, uh, they're going to host it. One day, I promise you, man. That is absolutely going to happen. I don't know when, though. That is the big thing, especially because Mexico has not been hosting games for a while now. Originally, it was because of COVID vaccination rates and all that. And then the thing is that they're basically reworking the stadium ahead of the 2026 World Cup. So I'm guessing that's going to be done pretty soon, though. So maybe in 2025, the Cowboys get some, or, or Azteca Stadium get some games uh, down there in Mexico City, which would also be very fun. I can tell you, man, it will bring the house down. Like if Dallas plays a game at Azteca, that's going to be the best, very best environment that you could ask for that stadium. Perhaps the only team that could rival it would be the Steelers. Because the Cowboys and the Steelers, man, are the biggest teams in the NFL uh, here in Mexico. They are by far. Uh, there are some polls that suggest that maybe the Patriots are, or maybe, but I can tell you, man, Cowboys and Steelers are still it. Especially when you consider the fan base that would spend the money to go watch that game. Anyways, just saying, just saying, man, just daydreaming here a little bit on the show before we get out of here. Uh, Isidro Garcia, shout out to you, sir. Asking people to hit the like button on the way into the chat or out of the chat. Ladies and gentlemen, that will do it for us here on primetime on, on, what is it, Monday? Is it Monday? Monday night. Damn. Slow week, I guess. Nah, I'm just kidding. Ladies and gentlemen, 
Thank you to Mark. Shout out Gregory and Bruce. Man, would be awesome. Thank you so much, man. And I'll see you tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Central. Bye-bye.